Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Well, it is Mother's Day. It is a very special day. We want to honor the people who nurture us. And to that end, I'd like to share a poem, and uh, it's in the form of a prayer written by Reverend Victoria Weinstein. And this is what she says. We reflect in thanksgiving this day for all those whose lives have nurtured ours, the life-giving ones who heal with their presence, who listen in sympathy, who give wise advice but only when asked for it. We are grateful for those who have mothered us, who have held us gently in times of sorrow, who celebrated with us our triumphs, no matter how small, who noticed when we changed and grew, who praised us for taking risks, who took genuine pride in our successes, and who expressed genuine compassion when we did not succeed. On this day that honors mothers, let us honor all mothers, men and women alike, who from somewhere in their being have freely and wholeheartedly given life and sustenance and vision to us all. Dear God, Mother, Father of us all, grant us life-giving ways, strength for birthing, and a nurturing spirit that we may take attentive care of our world, our communities, and those precious beings entrusted to us by biology or by destiny or by friendship, fellowship, or fate. Give us the heart of a mother today. Amen. Amen. So speaking of nurturing, any of you gardeners here today? Gardeners, stick your hands in dirt. Yeah, so there we are. Anthony and I now have a garden plot in Reston, so we are part of the urban agriculture movement. A little nine-by-nine nine plot. We built two very expensive boxes and filled them with very expensive soil and free manure. Thank you, Reston Association. That's what we get for being members of Reston Association. Horse manure. We get it for free. <laughs> and I'm grateful. Let me just say I am very grateful because it helps us to nourish our little seedlings in their very expensive wooden boxes. So our goal is to nurture life, to produce produce to grow some of our own food, and to learn to work with the plants and learn to work with Mother Nature to uh, have a fruitful harvest. And so I'm really grateful for this opportunity to share with you our garden plot on Mother's Day. My mother is a gardener. Hi, Mom. I got your message this morning. I will call after church. So my mom called. So anyway, that's just a personal shout out. Since I was right there, I could just talk to her. They're watching today. So here's a good piece of information you'll want to make note of. The word nurture comes from a Latin verb, nutrire, meaning to nurture or to feed. So it's really important. 
that might be necessary in case you find yourself on Jeopardy someday. So you'll say, oh, that's right. I was in church and we talked about this very thing. It's a double Jeopardy question. I'm golden. I'm going to take the grand prize. And just kind of as a small world, I was at home the other day living the glamorous life the way I do. I was doing laundry and I got a text from a friend of mine. She goes, Dan's on Jeopardy. And I'm like, what? So I put down my laundry and I went and looked, turned on the television and there on Jeopardy was my first college boyfriend. I'm like, well, check it out. Right there on Jeopardy. Small world. Small world story. I'm not making that up. So yet last week, we, I shared that we're going to spend the month of May nurturing and growing our prosperity consciousness. And I wanted us to begin last week by putting the end in mind. So when we talk about prosperity, when we talk about the things that give us fulfillment in our life, it's really important for us to know what those are and to be able to identify them. Because if we can't, then how will we ever know we've reached our goals? You know, there's the mind does a wonderful thing. If you tell it what you want it to do, it'll probably go do it, especially if you add some elbow grease into it and, and shovel as well, then you'll reach your goals. But if you don't know what your goal is, then how are you going to reach it? The other way of reaching a goal is to identify how does it make you feel. So we can go into the silence and get still and listen for that voice of spirit within to say, this will help me be my best self. This is a quality of being, or this is a tangible thing that will really help me excel at being a conduit for grace and love in the world that will allow me to be my best self. And I asked us last week to consider in our discussion of what makes for a prosperous life, the idea of contentment. What if we measured our success in life? What if we measured our identification of prosperity by being able to say, I am content? Well, that's a very different conversation, if that's the end point, than deciding that prosperity means having this thing or that thing or this much money or that relationship or this or that or the other thing, because it makes our definition of prosperity dependent on our being rather than our having. You with me? Is that making any sense? It's kind of like sometimes when, when I'm meeting with people on a one-on-one -on -one and we're talking about jobs, and then if they're unemployed, or if they're misemployed, or, or, or just really not happy with their jobs, I, and, and, they, and I ask, well, what do you want to do? And they'll say, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Many of us in our 50s are still having that conversation. Yeah, so this one went back to college. So yay you. So, um, so we don't know. And I say, well, rather than trying to describe the perfect job, what if you describe the way you felt when you were at that job? Because that's another way of measuring and so that might be, in my job, I feel like I'm making a positive difference. In my job, I'm helping people. In my job, I'm well compensated for doing something I love. That's very different from saying, I want to have the corner suite, and I want to have a staff of 15, and I want to have annual sales of $48 million, you know, that sort of thing. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I just offer another element to the conversation of what, how do we determine what is prosperity? Because in our very consumer-driven culture, 
We often measure our prosperity by the size of our house, the size of our bank account, how many brand new, bright, shiny things we have, that sort of thing. But we don't take stock of the human quality of life. I'm asking us in our prosperity consciousness to decide to put contentment at the top, to put peace of mind at the top. You know, this is where faith communities genuinely excel, helping people to understand how they feel and how they live their core values. I love this line that Jesus says in Matthew, and I shared this last week. It's so good, I'll share it again. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up treasures for yourself in heaven where neither moth nor rust consume and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So put your treasure in your being, in yourself, in your understanding of what it means to feel content to understand, I have enough. I have peace of mind. And no one and no thing can take that away from me. So all that being said, in Unity and New Thought, much of our theology, though, is about having a rich and fulfilling, abundant life in the right here and right now. So in order for us to have that experience, our foundational principle is that we have an awareness and a feeling, and a knowing of what that divine presence is. You know, because they say, if you got that, you know, you have everything. You have all potential at your disposal. So the basis of our teaching, of, of, of really knowing how to co-create with God the life of our dreams and our desires, is to understand a key term that we use called substance. So again, another Latin word. I've studied Latin in high school. Got to bring it up. From the Latin word sub, meaning under, and stare, standing under. So what stands under everything? Charles Fillmore, co-founder of the Unity Movement, identified that as substance. And here's a definition on the screen about substance. The divine idea of the underlying reality of all things. Substance is everywhere present, pervades all things, and inspires to action. It underlies all manifestation and is the spiritual essence, the living energy out of which everything is made. Through substance, all the attributes are being, of being are expressed. It sustains and enriches any idea that is projected into it. Substance is another way of saying energy, or another way of saying consciousness, another way of saying thought. And there is a limitless supply of energy or consciousness or thought available to all of us all the time. Fulmer goes on to add, and there is no slide for this part, divine substance is man's supply. And he means humanity, just the way he wrote in the dating of the times. Out of it, he forms whatever he will according to his faith and understanding. By entering into the substance silence, and acknowledging divine substance and affirming his faith in oneness with it, man becomes conscious of substance. What he's saying is, is much like we talked about earlier this year when we did our series on visioning. Take time for spiritual practice. 
take time to listen for that voice of divine wisdom within you to reveal to you what it is you are called to be and have and do. You can let Madison Avenue do that for you. You can let your parents do that for you. Thanks. You can do, let your mates or anybody else do that for you. Or you can trust the inherent wisdom within you to clarify what it is for you to be and have and do. And if you listen carefully to that, then you can begin to receive those divine ideas or recognize the ones that have been there all along for what are the things you are to begin doing to bring into manifestation the greater life that you are called to have. To call into manifestation the greater awareness of yourself that might be richer, fuller, or more abundant than you have ever believed possible. And to also demonstrate, meaning make real or have, the things that will allow you to manifest your best and biggest self. Example, if you're called to really develop your art, you need your paints, you need your canvases, your clay, or whatever your medium is you will begin to open yourself to the divine ideas that will allow you to bring into manifestation what's here or to see your world in a new way to realize, oh my gosh, it's been here all along. I just didn't recognize it because I hadn't taken possession. I hadn't felt capable or strong enough of accepting me as I've come here to be and the gift I've come here to give to the world through my very being. You see, this is all energy, and it's all around us, and it's all within us. And so it is incumbent upon us to learn how to use it so that we can have this abundant life. It's like, the, it's like my little garden plot, my little two boxes of plants. I have to understand what nutrients do they need and how much water do they need and how much sun do they need and how much fertilizer do they need and how much pesticide and all of that sort of stuff so I can nurture them into manifestation, into producing that which they are called to produce. I mean, they inherently know how to do this. It's just encoded in their DNA. But I can work with them to nurture that uh, expression and manifestation, just so we do the same with ourselves. What do I need to be nurtured into my best self? You know, hopefully we have mothering people around us, male, female, biological relative or not, who will help nurture us. And ultimately, it is incumbent upon us to learn to nurture ourselves, to erect the positive and constructive and healthy boundaries to give us the things and the rest that we need in order to manifest our best selves. So it makes us realize, and it makes us really be uh, aware of how we are using our life energy. It could be, and I'm not talking about anybody in this room, but you probably know people, it could be that there are some folks who are investing a lot of their life energy in blaming, blaming somebody else for my life condition and being angry at somebody else or something or even at ourselves or being resentful. You know what resentment is? It's taking poison, expecting somebody else to die. 
you know, or, or maintaining any sort of negativity in our lives. What that does, that inhibits, doesn't necessarily totally prevent, but it definitely inhibits our capacity to use substance because we are, we are using our energy and focusing it on something that won't produce anything that we desire to have. That's why in Unity we teach the spiritual practices of affirmation, affirm what you do want, and denial, release what is not helpful or helping you to be your best self or what is preventing and precluding you from using all this energy around for your greater good. Now, the challenge with that is many times we get into the mode of attaching our identity to the thing that we are resentful about or angry about or hurt by, and we get locked into this relationship. You hear the relationship that understand the term locking horns, and we just get stuck. What if we gave ourselves the grace of letting go? What if we made it into a practice that whenever the thing in which we had locked horns came into our conscious awareness, we decided, and gently, to be done with it? I release you and let you go. I release you and let you go. This is not the truth of who I am anymore. It probably never was. You know, when we've been in these relationships with these thoughts, if we've been in this habit of using this energy in an unproductive way, it will take a long time, possibly, to let it go because we've been, it's been so much a part of us that we worry on some level, well, what am I going to be if I'm not my anger? What am I going to be if I'm healed and no longer just a survivor? What am I going to be if I don't have that person to hate? Then what? Yeah, then what? How could that energy be used more productively? You know, that sort of energy in those ways is like throwing salt on the soil or not having rain. It's going to be real hard for the plants to grow. So we nurture ourselves. And like with my little seedlings in their expensive wooden box, I have to be very patient with them. There is a divine timing for my tomatoes to produce tomatoes. And I can want them tomorrow all day long. I can go out there and even yell at them. You better. Not until it's time. And the harvest comes when we're ready. And we've been able to believe it could happen. And I love that line from the letter to the Hebrews in the Bible. Now, sure, faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. See, my faith, my belief, my conviction is that there is more than enough good to go around. There is more than enough substance, more than enough energy for everybody to live their best lives. There's no reason for somebody to have to be somebody they're not or do something that doesn't fit. There's enough good to go around because there is enough God to go around. There is enough love to go around in spite of what the newspapers say. We must be bigger than all of that. This call for understanding substance is not only about us to understand and co-create the lives that each one of us as individuals chooses to have. It's to model 
the limitless good that is available to everyone. We don't have to be afraid of somebody else getting anything good. We have to want to encourage that so that everyone might prosper and nobody or nothing would need to hoard and nobody and nothing would ever need to be or express a life that is inauthentic. Living your most authentic life is modeling for others the capacity to do the same. Now, you might think, oh, this is all well and good, Reverend Russell, all this energy out there. It doesn't really work in my life because of my situation and that sort of thing. Trust me, I have been there. I could give you 101 different reasons why there's, I could never have been in this position. I can give you 101 different reasons why I could never have had the life experiences that I've had that have been so rich and so amazing and so awesome that, uh, you know, it would be unbelievable. And the way that I have found to break through that barrier is a statement of, it's, I don't know if it's an affirmation or denial. It's a, a deny from affirmation. <laughs> and I shared it last week, but I, I wanted to give the context again. And that's this. No one and no thing can keep me from the good that God is. No one and no thing can keep me from the good that God is. And no one and no thing can keep you from the good that God is because you live and move and have your being in a sea of abundance, in a sea of substance. It's here all around us. We have to have the wisdom to choose to see it. We have to listen to that voice within us that says, I am not my conditions. They may be temporary, but they can't keep me forever from the good that God is. So I always like to remind people these two things. Don't allow setback to be an end point. All of us will have setbacks in our lives in the process of manifesting our, and living our best lives. Something will come along. I absolutely promise you that. So now you don't have to worry about it when it looks like a roadblock. It's only an end point if you say this is an end point. Never let a setback become an end point, end point. And secondly, never waste a bad experience. I've had some really good ones, really rotten things that have happened. Anybody else have some really rotten things? Yeah, so don't waste those. Whatever you do, use those as an opportunity to learn. What did I learn? Use those as an opportunity to recognize how powerful you are how capable you are of overcoming, how capable you are of demonstrating over a fact, a situation, or a condition, how powerful is the spirit of the living God that is in you, that is the truth of how you live. So never waste a bad experience. Spiritual energy, substance, is all around us, waiting for us to have our minds open, to use it, to listen to spirit's guidance, and how to demonstrate and nurture the lives we choose to live. Because every one of us has an inherent, divine, beautiful, wonderful nature. And when we allow that to direct our lives, when we release any preconceived notions of who we should be so we can be who we've come here to be, truly amazing things happen. Now, the next two weeks, we're going to give some real hands-on tools to make it happen. You'll definitely want to be here with us. Peace be with you. Namaste. 
Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.